Happy Sabbath, Church. Are you excited to be here? We want to thank God for our pastor, right? We want to thank God for our pastor, right? Oh, yeah. He's a good pastor. A good pastor is always filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a good pastor. I won't waste your time. I never want anybody to waste my time either. I want to thank the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, in this place. I want to also thank you for coming to church. I want to thank the adventurous leaders for what they are doing. I also want to thank Kiona and your father, that music, amazing. You know, it's wonderful to come to church and be a blessing. And whenever the two, the, this duo is here, I feel something when they are together. I told Sister Frederick, I thank you for those two. That's what I told her. Uh, today, we're going to study. We want to study from Luke chapter 16, verses uh, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. I want to say thank you to Sister, Sister Lisa. You know, Sister Lisa... I think God is calling you back to Garland to finish what you studied. Amen. You grew up in this place, you grew up in this church, and uh, your, your, your presence here makes me, makes me smile. Amen. You know, to God be the glory, every time I look at you, I say, this girl used to be in this place growing up, and she's got to come and finish what she studied. Amen. To God be the glory for you, good to see you. Uh, Sister Skinner is gone. Pastor just alluded to that fact. Uh, you know, I was saying yesterday that Sister Skinner, uh, she celebrated her uh, 90th birthday, right? That was on Friday, right? Is it Friday? No, Thursday. Uh, just when she celebrated, then the next day she decided to what? To rest. She was done. I like to go that way. I want to hit my birthday, then I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Um, let's seek the Lord in prayer. Father, here we come again. We want to hear from you. Uh, punish not your, your people for the frailty of your messenger. I pray that the words of my mouth, O oh Lord, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. I'm going to be reading the parable that is often called the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. But if you study a little bit, you realize uh, there are other Bibles that says the parable of Dives uh, and Lazarus. Dives is just Latin that simply says rich man. And uh, whenever you hear me saying Dives, you need to remember I'm saying the rich man. Uh, the reason why the word dives is in there is that, that, is that uh, that's not really uh, a proper name for the rich man. It's just Latin. 
that simply uh, is the other word in Latin that simply says rich man. And so uh, he is really uh, unnamed. It's funny that the beggar is named, uh, but the rich man has no name uh, in this story. Uh, it's very fascinating. Uh, this parable serves as a warning uh, that we are to use our wealth to help those in need. And Jesus asked us to do. Uh, we thank God for our community service uh, department over here, for they practice love in action. But let's take a moment here to look at this parable that Jesus gave. Uh, there was a certain rich man, that's how he started, uh, who was clothed in purple and fine uh, linen and fared sumptuously every day. I think everybody can understand that, right? Right, so, but there was a certain beggar. See how they are being introduced with the scripture. Uh, the scripture is so sweet if you just uh, look at it closely. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of souls. Did you hear that? The rich man is dressed in purple and fine linen. And yet Lazarus over here is full of what? Of souls. Uh, who was laid at his gate, uh, desiring to be fed with crumbs that fell from the rich man's stable. That was his only desire, food. That's all he wanted. But look at the characters in this story. Moreover, the dogs came and what? And licked his sores. So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abram's bosom. The rich man also died. Do, do, do you see the parallel in these stories? You know, the, 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 the scripture is so sweet because it tells you what you need to hear. The rich man also what? Died. Huh. And was what? Was buried. Uh, do you see a, a difference right there? When Lazarus was dead, who carried Lazarus to Abram's bosom? The angels. Did you see that? So now you realize, but the rich man also died and was buried and being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Likewise, Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, uh, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. 
scripture. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham says to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So, Ladies and gentlemen, this is the scripture we have today. It is terrifying. That's terrifying to me. Who wants to go to hell here? Who want to go to hell? And who wants to go to heaven? You better listen. This is not a message that you want to put up, you want to put up on. Uh, it's not a message that I should be excited on, and so I should change my voice because I'm not excited. The characters in this parable uh, include the first instance, uh, the rich man called Dives, and the beggar named Lazarus. The rich man is described in the most opulent terms. He dresses like royalty in papal and fine linen. And he fares sumptuously, not once a month, not once a week, but his sumptuous style of living is every day. It's a daily matter. But in contrast to him, there was this beggar and named Lazarus who obviously had some kind of uh, incurable chronic skin disease that left his body covered in sores, And he was not even able to move himself to the gate of the rich man, but had to be carried there, uh, presumably by family or well-wishers or maybe friends. Lazarus was not in a position to walk because when you read the story, you get to realize that he was carried to the gates. And they will leave him over there at the gate. The reason why is at the gate, uh, Divis, the rich man, is uh, having his feast. Remember, Lazarus is full of sores, and so he cannot draw closer to the table of the what? Of the rich man. When you have sores all your body, you attract flies. You have a stench odor, and Lazarus is not known for taking bath. He's sitting out there all day, and yet his desire is just to feed from the rich man's, from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. He was willing, Lazarus, to live on the scraps of garbage. He was willing to live on leftovers that were thrown away from the sumptuous feasts of Davis. Moreover, 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 the scripture say the dogs came 
and licked his sores. Imagine that. Now let me remind you that in Israel and Palestine, I'm sorry, they are fighting right now. There is war going on there, but back in the day, dogs were not the man's best friend. They were scavengers. They were pharaohs. You understand? And yet you see the dogs were kinder to Lazarus more than the rich man. I remember growing up, my grandfather was uh, taking medication, and the medication uh, involved blood thinners. Blood thinners. And so every time my grandfather, he bumps into something, his skins, it just scratches, right? And I remember they, they did have uh, a dog, which was a beautiful dog. You don't get to get this kind of dogs anymore. Uh, it was uh, a Rhodesian Ridgeback. If you don't know those dogs, you can Google, okay? It's a dog that is manufactured in Zimbabwe, only in Zimbabwe. And it's a hunting dog, it's huge. And all she wanted when my grandfather was sitting there, she would definitely like to lick him, lick those uh, spots and blotches from these bruises. Why? Because dogs, when they do have injuries or sores, they lead themselves as a form of what? Healing and medication. A dog saliva is actually uh, a healing ointment. And these dogs will look at Lazarus and feel sorry for him and clean him, clean him up with their tongues. My grandmother always had to assist my grandfather uh, putting band-aids on his arms uh, to cover those spots since he will be bleeding. Uh, and uh, all the dog liked was to help uh, to make him feel better. But the scripture is so sweet. Because look here, as soon as he died, who? Lazarus. He was accompanied not by friends or by relatives, but by the angels of God. Hallelujah. So when you see those beggars on street corners, and some of you, you reason a lot and say, oh, if I give him $20 or 10 or $5, he's going to go buy a can of alcohol. Just give him. It's none of your business. The Bible actually says, give beer to those who are dying. You might as well just give him whatever they want to do. It's none of your business. Or somebody comes to you and say, oh, uh, I, I, this lady came to me at the gas station, and she had this little uh, gasoline container, those red ones. And she came to me and say, sir, and she parked a car, a beautiful car. I mean beautiful car. And she, th then she saw me, I'm, I'm filling my car, and then she approached me and said, can I just have $5? I, 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 I don't have any gas. I, I, I forgot my card. I, I forgot my card. I, I looked at this person. 
and I, I, I put $10. First day. Went to the same gas station a week later, the same woman approached me. And I said, ma'am, you always forget your card, right? She's like, sir, I said, ma'am, not today. Because I realized it's a scheme at that point. However, uh, our generosity uh, is not supposed to be uh, hindered by those who are criminals. We should always uh, have a sense of a love for one another. I, I travel with Adam a lot of times. Uh, Adam Chansey, we travel together many times. And when he sees uh, uh, those beggars in a street corner, he always carry a $20 bill. And you wanna, this happened in my face. And you pull the bill, we were at a hotel, and then he just give to me. And I looked at him, I said, that, that is profound, my brother. That is very good. To just think about that every day. To think about that every day. But here's the sweetness of this story. The moment Lazarus died, he's accompanied not by friends, not by relatives, by the angels of who? Of God. So that in his dying breath, as his eyelids close to life in this world, the first thing that Lazarus saw after he died was the revulgent glory of the heavenly host who picked this poor sorrowful beggar up in their arms and carried him to paradise and placed Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. What a tender portrait of mercy in the Bible, in this illustration of the death of Lazarus, who was transported to heaven personally by angels. Lazarus was never buried, friends. Nobody cared for him. The angels had to come and pick him up. Nothing is said of Lazarus' burial. Nothing is said of a monument to him in this world. But we read that the rich man also died and he was buried. Did you see the difference? And where he went was not the bosom of Abraham. He was not carried into glory by the angels of God, but was sent to be tormented in hell. In a sad contrast, the rich man finds himself in torment with no one to help, assist, or even console him. But the story goes and says, and while he's in hell, he there, he lifted up his eyes. And he could see into the heavens, and he could see this miserable beggar now being grasped in the arms of Abram in glory. He is in hell. He lifted up his eyes. Now, uh, from afar off, he could see Abraham and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out, notice, he doesn't cry to, uh, he doesn't cry out to God. This is not a cry of repentance, friends. 
He cries to Abraham and asks Abraham to do something to ameliorate his condition. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, Saint Lazarus. You know Lazarus? He's just a beggar. He's a servant. You are the great patriarch, Abraham. You have authority to send servants like this wherever you want to send them. So I'm asking you, Father Abraham, send that servant Lazarus over here to me. And he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in the flame. All I want is just the tip of his fingers dipped in the water that it might touch my tongue to give me that much needed relief. A pastor friend of mine told me this. <clears throat> he said, brother, a sinner in hell would give you everything he had and do everything he could to make the number of his sins in this life one less. Just to get one ounce less of torment that is more horrible than any of us can ever contemplate. My friends, you don't want to end up in hell. You don't want to end up there. This rich man now is begging for a drop of water. But here's the man who fed sumptuously every day, begging for a drop of water, one drop of water on his tongue. But Abraham replied, son, do you remember that in your life you received your good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted, and you're tormented. The situation has reversed itself, hasn't it, son? But the rich man, it's too late. You should have done this while you were alive. You should have repented, friends. You didn't care at all about the suffering of this man, Lazarus. And now you want this man to come and minister to you in the midst of your torment. It's too late. Not only that, he says, and I think this is perhaps the heaviest part of the whole parable, friends. Listen to this. Besides, it's in the Bible. Besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Don't you understand, rich men, that between you down there and us up here in the bosom of Abraham, there is an immeasurable chasm, an unbridgeable chasm. What is the Bible trying to say? The Bible is saying, even if we want to come and help you over there, we cannot. You know why? Because there is nothing that is going to be able to 
build a bridge from there to us. We may want to help you, but we cannot. If you're going to build a bridge, what materials are you going to use? It's going to melt up. You are in hell. You understand? And so that's what the Bible is teaching you right there. There is no material in the world strong enough to build a bridge over this chasm. We are separated. There's a great gulf between us. You cannot come to us, neither can we come to you. It's done. You should have made your decision while you were alive. You are where you are, and you are there forever, and there's no way that you can come here from there or you requested who? Lazarus? Lazarus can live here and go to you? No. Don't you understand that on your side of this gulf, on your side of this chasm, there are no provisions for parole. There's no parole. The sentence that has been given to you is forever. You had the time to choose, Je to choose Jesus, and what did you choose? You chose the world. There's no hope of future probation for you. You had your probation. There's no hope for a court of appeals that will get you out of there and free you for another place. And don't you even entertain, don't even entertain the idea of a second chance. I hear people saying, oh, God gives second chances. But if God is giving second chances, how many chances have you used so far? How many chances have you used yourself? Some of you have used a hundred chances. You may be living on your third, on your fourth, on your fifth, a hundred chances God, is, God has given. However, Abraham says, I don't read anywhere in the Bible, in the scripture, that God gives such an entitlement program to anybody. God doesn't have that. Oh, yes, we know when a sinner repents, God is willing, and we, we know God is willing to pick you up and says, go and sin no more. And you had no repentance, no compassion, totally self-absorbed. You are self-centered and you scoffed. You scoffed at the idea that there might be a day of accountability and that God, this good and loving and gracious God, could be so mean and nasty as to put you in the place of torment called hell. But has not his only begotten son warned you again and again and again? Don't you know that Jesus taught more about hell than he did about heaven? 
Don't you know that the Lord Jesus Christ said that at the judgment day, every idle word that we have ever spoken, not every sober word, not every practiced word, not just every intentional word, but those things that just roll off our tongues so easily, these idle, frivolous things that we say, every one of those words will come into judgment and not one thing will escape the Father's notice. The Father sees everything. At that judgment, every tongue will be stopped. And you will realize that any excuse that you try to give will be a waste of air. Because you can't argue and debate with a perfect, righteous judge who knows everything. Abraham says, Abraham says, but I'm sorry, my son, but you just can't get here from there. And Davis understood, the rich man understood. And now he becomes the beggar. Who's the beggar now? Tell me, who's the beggar now? The rich man is now the beggar. The parable started identifying Lazarus as the beggar. Now it is Davis, the rich man, who doesn't just ask a question, he starts to beg. He said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, that is Lazarus, to my father's house. If you can't send him to me, and that there is an unbridgeable chasm between you and me, and Lazarus can't cross it, at least send him to my father's house. Why? I have five brothers. I don't want to meet them over here and let Lazarus testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said, you want me to send Lazarus on a mission trip to your house and give a special revelation to your brothers? I, Abraham, should interrupt his felicity that he enjoys here in his father's kingdom to go to your house and convince your brothers? Are you kidding me? Why do they need Lazarus for? Why? They have Moses? But don't you have a Bible at your house? Don't you? They have the prophets? Don't, you, don't your brothers hear them? And the rich man says, no, that's not good. They won't do it. That's not going to convince my brothers. Oh, you don't know my brothers. They are worldly. They are hardened in their heart. They are not tuned into spiritual things. My brothers, they think that the law of Moses 
and prophets of the Old Testament is just so much bunk. They are not going to pay any attention to that. But if somebody comes to them from the dead, somebody who's seen, who's been there, like Lazarus, they may, they may listen to him and they will repent. Do you believe that? No, I don't believe that. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. The rich man in hell, he obviously understood that his brothers needed to repent. And if they didn't repent, they were going to end up exactly where he is. But Abram answered him and said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded when one rise from the dead. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is the one telling this story. You are just listening to Jesus himself telling the story because he is the one who died and rose from the grave. The rich man is saying if one comes from the, de from the dead, Jesus already been to the dead, right? And so here Jesus is telling this story to people who are listening uh, and the, uh, the Moses and prophets uh, he refers to the Bible. When you, who wrote the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? So Moses and the prophets, you read in the Bible, you have the Bible to yourself. And then you see here, uh, and when my father raises from the dead, this is Jesus, so you don't listen to Moses. And you don't listen to the prophets. That is that. Believe in the Bible. And when my father raises me from the dead, you still won't listen. Because Jesus is the one who's telling the story. Jesus is saying, I'm here. You don't choose me? Now you want another person from the dead? You really want Lazarus to come? I am from the dead. Okay? And I'm here. Why can you not believe what you read in the Bible? And so here, and the reason you want, because you, you don't want to listen. You read, but you don't want to listen. That's the problem. And the reason you want to listen is because you don't want to listen. And because you don't want to listen, and you don't have ears to hear. And the reason why you don't have ears to hear is because you don't want to hear. Okay? You don't want to hear about heaven, and you don't even want to hear about hell. You don't want God in your thinking, and you certainly don't want hell in your thinking. It scares me to death. This is one of the most sober warnings that we ever receive from our Lord in this passage. Warning us that now is the time for us to do what? To seal our eternity. Because once we die, it's too late and it's too far. And Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice 
What will happen? And open the door. I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. I want to say today, it's your day to choose Jesus. Because you don't have to find yourself in hell. And you, you had a chance today, don't you think so? There's a chance for you today. In closing, in closing, many say, I have got a lot of living to do. I will accept him, Jesus, as my savior. I will acknowledge him as Lord, but I got a lot of living to do. I want to tell you today, you don't really live until you come to him. You don't really live until you come to who? To him. He said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it in more abundantly. And then some are here praying, Lord, when I must go somewhere and crawl up in a dying bed and learn how to die. Sister, who told you you were going anywhere? Who told you you were going to have the strength or, or, or the time to crawl up in a dying bed? Who told you you had to learn how to die? You learn how to live. And so as you live, you die. But I'm not going to wait because borderline salvation is better than being lost. But that's too dangerous to risk. That's the reason the prophet said, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is there. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And he will have mercy toward God for he will abundantly pardon. You don't have to end up in hell. Come to Jesus. Look to Jesus, and you shall live. Be blessed. Let's all stand for our closing song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the
Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath worship experience. Father, it's all to your name's honor and glory. We thank you so much for the word that we received today, trusting in you with all of our hearts, and knowing that you have prepared a place for us, I pray, Lord, that heaven will be all of our destination today. And I ask, Father, that as we reach out to you, that you will continue to minister to us, to hear our prayers, and to lead us day by day. So now, Father, unto you. And unto Jesus Christ, our Savior, and unto the Holy Spirit, we express our love, we express our faith and our allegiance. Now go before us now forevermore, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.